Greetings and salutations, all you sportsmen and women and conservationists across New York State. Welcome back to another episode of We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. I am your humble host, Rich Davenport, coming to you from sunny Tandawanda, New York. That's right, sportsmen and women. Welcome back to another episode of We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport coming to you on Anchor.fm, powered by Spotify. You can get this podcast with Spotify. You can listen to it on Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts, Beacon, Free Radio, Pocket Casts, and more. And, uh, of course, obviously on Anchor.fm. Uh, please, if you can, help support this podcast by donating to the cause. $2 a month, $5 a month, whatever you can afford. It helps me push back on the propaganda in the news while providing conservation news and commentary along with sound science and conservation principles. Uh, please spread the word, folks. We are growing by leaps and bounds here. We thank you very much for being in my audience uh, you know, it is an honor to come with, to you uh, every week on this uh, special program and, uh, you know, just spread the word and you know, we are pushing back and making some inroads and watching crazy stuff going on, that's for sure. Uh, just to uh, get going here, uh, some updates for you that uh, have been going on here. We've got uh, the New York uh, State uh, Pilot Youth Program, the hunting initiative, which is NCON Law 1109-35 which lowers the hunting age for deer hunting with firearms to age 12, has all but two of the eligible counties pass their local law now. So the final counties that are awaiting passage of this act, uh, and again, remember that you know Westchester and Suffolk and New York City, uh, all the counties within New York City, they're prohibited by this law from, from allowing anything like this. But the rest of upstate New York, northern zone, southern zone, Catskill area, um, all of them are eligible. And the last two... Uh, counties really that are dragging is uh, Rockland County, which is really a downstate county. It's an extension of New York City, and Erie County, which is uh, you know the largest uh, of the counties in terms of sporting license sales. Uh, but they've been really dragging their you know what for political reasons. I would I would rec- I would suspect, uh, which you know they held their public hearing on August fifth, but their session is in recess until after Labor Day. So. We're not going to see a vote from Erie County until after Labor Day, which is still in a couple more weeks. Uh, nevertheless, we do have the uh, uh, hunting seasons that are coming up. Uh, we will not be listed, obviously, in the syllabus. That uh, ship sailed a long time ago. But, you know, we certainly uh, need to understand that, you know, we're going to probably see more butt dragging, uh, as I'm sure the county executive, once the measure is passed by the legislature, as the votes appear to be there, the county executive also has to call a public hearing before signing this. So the strong message in all of this is that if the sportsmen and women want to get legislative acts accomplished in this state, then, you know, I recommend that, you know, be involved and be active. Uh, write letters, show the support. You know, in case you're all sleeping, you know, and started the slumber in 1986, I would like to welcome you to 2021 where letters from organizations representing thousands of members is treated like a single individual. Unless, of course, you're a liberal group. Then, you know, you're going to have 15 uh, members. You're, you're going to be reflect 1,500. Uh, there are double standards everywhere, people. And, you know, that is the way it is until we can t- retake this country and get a semblance of uh, 
uh, Americanism back, the semblance of uh, debate and uh, statesmanship and all of that, those things that made this nation great and made our government uh, function so well while respecting the rights of the individuals. We don't have that anymore. What we've got is liberal uh, autonomy or authoritarianism, I should say, liberal authoritarianism in New York State. And, you know, sure, they may go through the motions of listening to what you have to say, but unless you have a lot of support, uh, you know, we don't vote in numbers, so why do they think they need to listen to us? You know, the number one thing that we need to do is vote. And, you know, many, many, many people, just like the ones that uh, don't get involved and write a letter, um, you know, are the same people that say my vote doesn't count. So it's, you know, like that self-fulfilling prophecy here. Um, these are pretty much uh, by design. You know, the individuals uh, that are involved in, in uh, you know, this wonderful uh, charade in government here, uh, you know, they do everything they can to try to uh, eliminate the competition, eliminate dissent. And, you know, it's by design that folks and that organizations that folks belong to that, you know, are more on the conservative leaning side, you know, conservation groups, hunting, fishing, trapping, uh, you know, shooting clubs, uh, shooting sports, etc. cetera, uh, they're considered by the uber left and the folks that hate liberty, uh, the enemies of America, if you will, uh, by design, they are trying to demoralize and deflate. Uh, there are plenty of uh, leaders out there, elected officials out there, that you know when they receive a letter from a large organization on any side of an uh, of an argument, they know that it speaks for that argue, that that organization and the people that the organization represents. But you know that's not what we have in government today. Uh, the uber left doesn't uh, look at that at all, and in fact, what they want to do is basically stifle opposition, stifle dissent, stifle any kind of thing that. You know that the people's rights are to you know petition the government, seek support for certain things, and if they don't agree with it, they just want to demoralize and destroy that organization. So you're no longer representing anybody. Then you know go after you legally, take all your money, and then you're done. That's the end game, and we have to realize that. Um, you know we do handle a lot of the education and the outreach for the sports themselves which you know offers no exemption to having to write letters and, and and support initiatives but the organizations that are out there that do this work are the ones that understand the realities at you know surrounding any one of these initiatives and you know you don't go out quietly you know that was one of the mistakes that was made during the uh the may june period where we were writing letters and trying to get this uh get this done in Erie County, uh, we kind of went quiet out of quote-unquote respect for them to do their job, and that doesn't work today either. You have to make sure you're in the face, and you're doing it politely, of course, but strongly, with, uh, you know, mailbags of letters constantly until they react, because like I said, if they're on the left, they're not going to react unless it's their people, then they're going to rush what their, what their people want, so no one gets to look at it, no one gets to examine it. And, uh, you know, we do have to be more involved. Anyhow, I hope this is a good lesson learned and understand that folks sometimes have the memory of retention skills of a slug or a housefly. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to, to continually reinforce this message that only through our involvement, which is the government of our people, by the people, for the people, we have to be engaged in this stuff. So, in any event, uh, hoping to see that pass before the end of September and October 1st, we will be... Uh, you know, in full swing with big game hunting and so on and so forth. And 
you know, it'll be a moot point. Anyhow, uh, in other news, uh, New York State sporting licenses, which are now on sale, they went on sale on August 2nd. And the small game season, as I mentioned, is fast approaching with squirrel and resident Canada goose season commencing in a couple of weeks on September 1st. Um, the DMP, or Deer Management Permit Lottery, continues through October 1st. So hunters who have some time left to decide which WMU they will manage or help manage better by applying for and hopefully securing an antlerless deer permit or two, um, you know, you do have some time, but uh, it does appear that the issuance of permits have tightened up a bit after last year's loosening due to COVID, COVID, COVID. Uh, as always, hunters who do not receive a DMP for their first selection, their first choice, uh, will receive a preference point, which will increase the chances of getting that uh, deer uh, management permit uh, for those uh, units that have lower issuances, you know, the following year. Um, Still awaiting regulatory uh, word for um, uh, the uh, proposals that uh, were implemented, or, or should I say were uh, initiated concerning the changes needed to implement the uh, updated deer management plan. Uh, the proposals that we're waiting to hear from the regulatory acts include the expansion of hunting hours by a half hour uh, on either end of the day, uh, the mandatory safety orange regulation during firearm season for big game, um, the establishment of a special antlerless firearm season in September for the problematic wildlife management units, uh, changes to the Adirondack muzzleloader harvest and select WMUs in the North Country, and updates to the black bear season in the ADK matching the days to deer season duration versus delaying bear from opening by seven days. Um, <clears throat> we're hoping to see that, you know, movement, but, you know, honestly, it may not happen in time, and if it doesn't happen in time uh you know you could be looking at these these initiatives being considered uh for next season uh we do have the holiday hunt that was added this year so you know that was something that was proposed last year about this time and it didn't uh get into the books for uh for the uh 2020 season but you know they did shortly in january once they got through all the comments the dec then codified that so this year we do have that christmas or slash holiday hunt uh, between christmas and new year's it should do a very nice thing for people coming back from college and so on uh, that may want to hunt deer with their family. Uh, finally, we've got trapping regulation comment period that it closed up on the 16th, which was uh, in relation to the Fisher trapping and Pine Martin trapping regulations. Um, and it's expected that these proposals will be adopted rather quickly because <clears throat> they don't necessarily get the volume of comments that you know deer hunters will submit. Makes perfect sense. There are, you know, approximately 600,000 deer hunters now in New York State. It's 95% of the hunters it's estimated at. Uh, whereas trapping, you know, there's maybe 60, 70,000 licenses or so. I'd have to check back and see how many. But, you know, they're, they, although they may be very vocal and protective of their sports and, and involved in, in the regulatory framework, uh, there are just not that many of them to delay uh, review of comments so we can always hope and uh, you know maybe the fishers uh, those who are going to be trapping fisher this year uh, and pine martin will know what they're going to be doing before those seasons commence that would be a wonderful thing and you know it it's uh it, it's it behooves everybody you know that that we all are familiar with those regulations when they're changed and there have been a lot of changes that have been made recently uh, that people need to understand when we start getting into the hunt um, you know there's there's a number of things that were done uh, such as you know last year 
Um, the early bear season was expanded in the southern zone to include Wildlife Management Unit 4W. Um, <clears throat> there was legislation that was also adopted for 2020-2021 that allowed uh, the use of centerfire rifles for big game hunting in Tompkins County during the regular season. So that was nice. Um, and we also had some new migratory game bird hunting regulations that went into effect last year. Uh, you know, these these changes were proposed, uh, you know, at least from the from the standpoint of uh, adding uh, additional hunting uh, opportunity days. Uh, there were two veteran and active military waterfowl hunting days in four of the five waterfowl zones that were added in 2020, 2021. And during that special season, military and active duty uh, veterans uh, or act, military active duty and veterans that can hunt migratory game birds. Um, the daily bag limits didn't change, um, but military identification uh, would be used. And uh, you can find that on the migratory game bird hunting regulations page of the DEC um, hunting guide, hunting and trapping guide. Um, electronic duck stamps were now legal for the purposes of migratory game bird hunting. So if you wanted to get a wildlife uh, or a U.S. Fish and Wildlife um, duck stamp and have it electronic and show it on your smartphone, that would also be valid. That happened last year. And, uh, you know, there, there have been some other things that have been in the works uh, to change, um, you know, for 2020-2021, as I mentioned uh, or 2021-2022, uh, the 12 and 13-year-old changes, uh, reducing that through the end of judge, end of uh, 2023, that would be December 31. Uh, and also that holiday deer hunt, um, using a, a muzzleloader or a longbow or crossbow uh, in the southern zone, that goes from December 26th to January 1. And uh, those things are codified. Uh, so that's nice, but you know, there's still some other things that are pending and, uh, you know, we hope to see some of these things change and some of them move and, you know, maybe some of them won't, which won't be a bad thing either because, you know, some of these, uh, some of these initiatives like the, uh, the special early firearm season in some of these WMUs, there is quite a bit of resistance out there to that. And, um, obviously, uh, you know, if we've got that resistance, you know, maybe that will not come to pass. Well, folks, as you can hear that music, we're going to take a quick break here and, uh, you know, our first break of the day. But don't go anywhere, folks, because we love outdoors with Rich Davenport. It's going to be right back. Welcome back, sportsmen and women and conservationists across New York and the Fruited Plain to We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. I am your humble host, Rich Davenport, coming to you from sunny Tandawanda, New York, and here we are at the second segment of We Love Outdoors already. It's amazing. 
And, uh, you know, it's it, welcome back again. We had a really nice weekend, you know, the, the last uh, weekend of the Erie County and Wyoming County Fairs. They both just wrapped up. Uh, the Erie County Fair was, uh, was a wonderful event. Uh, it looks like the attendance may be, again, on par with what they normally were pre-COVID, COVID, COVID. Um, you know, that was, a, that was a very good thing. And, of course, that really does kind of, you know, indicate the end of uh, summer and uh, getting ready for the beginning of fall. Um, neither here nor there, you know, hope everybody enjoyed the, uh, the fair this year and, uh, you know, are getting ready for the, uh, the fall seasons now, uh, as the harvest starts to begin, which is uh, always a good thing. Um, so we've got some additional news statewide and this year, you know, in terms of fishing, it's been a very productive fishing season. And, uh, there have been a few records that have fallen across both. Uh, the freshwater side and the uh, marine fishing side in New York State. And the first freshwater uh, record breaker that we had this year, uh, we saw a new bowfin or eel pout record that was caught by Chase Soptelian, uh fishing with a buddy for Northern Pike in Yanty Creek in Monroe County. Um, this new record bowfin uh, weighs 13 pounds, 8 ounces, and broke the previous record that was caught from Lake Champlain in 2006 by 10 ounces. That's a heck of a thing. Uh, for those that aren't familiar with the bowfin or eel pout, uh, these fish are, you know, they kind of look like a dinosaur in, in their, their structure. They're called a living fossil, uh, but they are relatively abundant. They live in uh, slow-moving rivers uh, to moderate current rivers and lakes. Um, from what I understand, I've never caught one. Uh, but from what I understand from people that have is that their their table fare is fantastic. They taste a lot like cod. And they also, unfortunately, are being confused with the invasive known as the northern snakehead. Um, they're, they're, they're a similar shaped fish. Uh, their heads are totally different. Uh, you know, where the bowfin has real small little raspy teeth, you've got some pretty uh, significantly equipped choppers from the... Uh, uh, from the, the snakehead point of view and uh, you know the snakehead can gulp water so can the bow or can gulp air uh, so can the bowfin uh, but the, uh, the northern snakehead can actually live out of water for quite a, a, a period of time and they'll actually use their front fins to walk across land from water body to water body uh, you know nevertheless uh, you know the the bowfin is not a, a northern snakehead it is a welcomed fish. It is a native fish to this area. So congratulations to uh, to Chase Soptelian uh, for his 13-pound, uh, 8-ounce catch. That's fantastic. Uh, on the Atlantic Ocean front, we had three new marine or saltwater fishing records that have been set thus far in 2021. And uh, those particular uh, records uh, include an 18.05-pound false albacore caught by Jason Ficino on June 15th. A 68 and a quarter pound golden tilefish caught by Robert Foley on July 11th, and a 97.4 pound cobia caught by Dan McMahon on July 24th. Congratulations to those lucky anglers. Those are definitely uh, uh, some pretty impressive specimens there. Uh, in other news, uh, starting on, July, on August 24th, which is tomorrow, uh, the Catskill Fish Hatchery will begin its annual collection of brown trout eggs. 
which will continue each Tuesday until the goal of two million eggs collected is reached. The public is invited to stop in and observe this important work in hatchery success. And there's certainly plenty of stream flow this year with heavy rains in July. And now again, we've got, uh, you know, Tropical Storm Henri that's bearing down. We just had a whole bunch of rain last week that impacted the central New York and uh, the central southern tier area of New York. Uh, big, heavy, heavy rains. Uh, there's also some advisories that are posted due to these heavy, heavy rains uh, uh, for Oneida Lake. I guess the lake levels, uh, you know, like Chautauqua uh, happened uh, a couple of weeks ago, three, four weeks ago. Um, you know, that, that lake was up about two feet higher than normal. Well, that subsided, but now Oneida Lake is being reported to be way up. There's a lot of shoreline flooding, break walls, and, and uh, uh, normally navigation uh, obstructions and obstacles that are out there that could be seen are underwater. Uh, the DEC and, uh, and the, the state is advising people to not go boating out there right now. Um, pretty darn dangerous, but we got a lot of flow out there, so at least the uh, the brown trout collection, which, you know, the brown trout are spawning in the fall. They're fall uh, running fish. Um, so, you know, we're hoping that, uh, the state's hoping that uh, they're going to be uh, collecting enough eggs to get that 2 million eggs set and, uh, you know, have a, a real good successful uh, uh, hatchery season for the brown trout. Additional updates. Um, there are some commercial fishing regulations that were announced on 820 by the DEC for the permit holders, the commercial permit holders. Uh, black sea bass effective today, August 23rd, and until further notice, two food fish license holders are permitted per vessel. So if you had three or four people, it's only two now, and uh, that's possessing uh, and landing the black sea bass trip uh, limit, which is 70 pounds on each uh, calendar day. Uh, and that's per uh, per license holder. So to clarify that two trip limits, which is up to 140 pounds or 70 pounds per angler uh, for black sea bass may be aboard any vessel if there are two food fish license holders on board at that time. Hope that one's clear for you. The next one is the holders of the summer flounder permit effective today, August 23rd. The daily trip limit for summer flounder is now increased to 350 pounds. Uh, the trip limit will remain in effect until further notice. And finally, the holders of commercial horseshoe crab permits effective September 1st. The daily limit for commercial horseshoe crab will be increased to 250 pounds of crab. This limit will remain in effect until further notice. So those are pretty good. That's all right. Um, <clears throat> the real big news this week uh, comes from Lake Erie, however. And uh, the, what happened was, uh, you know, every year, every spring, you know, the Lake Erie Fisheries Unit for the DEC goes out and does a lot of work. Uh, they have a lot of telemetry studies that are going on. And, uh, you know, they do a lot of spring trawl and, 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 and spring uh, uh, surveys that they're out actually doing netting surveys to see what they've got for the young of the year perch and young of the year walleye and on August 18th 2021 Commissioner Sagos announced that a significant milestone for lake trout rehabilitation efforts in Lake Erie um, has occurred following the confirmation of an identif or confirmed identification of wild fry wild lake trout fry collected by the Lake Erie's Fisheries uh, Research Unit this spring. The discovery of the wild lake trout fry is, is historic uh, and, as it's the first time that uh, such fry has been found in 60 years. 
Uh, it's an indicator that the restoration efforts are starting to work for a population that was once plentiful but collapsed due to overfishing, habitat de degradation, and the invasive uh, sea lamprey that uh, you know was a problem in, in Lake Erie and has been problematic since their uh, discovery back in the 30s. And uh, according to uh, Commissioner Sagos, it marks a milestone in the restoration of lake trout in Lake Erie after six days of significant investment to improve water quality and habitat and promote sound fisheries management. This phenomenal Great Lakes story of recovery is a testament to the perseverance of the researchers and biologists from the DEC and partner agencies who work tirelessly to help restore this fishery. You know, that is so true. Um, you know, I also want to make sure that, that the anglers themselves also get the credit because we're the ones that fund it. We're the ones that support these studies. And it's amazing that these government wonks in the DEC, this Commissioner Sagos, just can't seem to bring himself to, to actually thank the fishermen who are the ones that drive all these restorations and, and the demand for it and funding in the first place. So thanks for leaving us out, Basil. Way to go there, pal. Um, but this recent discovery is actually the result of uh, this acoustic telemetry study that's being conducted by DEC staff and partners, which helped identify potential lake trout spawning areas in the eastern Lake Erie Basin. And on May 14th, the uh, Lake Erie's Fisheries Unit collected multiple recently hatched fry in fry traps on a rock reef about five miles west of Barcelona Harbor in Chautauqua County. And in July, Dr. Chris Wilson of Trent University positively identified the fry as lake trout, lake trout through genetic barcoding. Wow. Uh, you know, lake trout were once the top predator in the lake with records uh, of fish measuring in excess of 50 inch and weighing over 75 pounds. Uh, commercial fishing for lake trout in Lake Erie began in the late 1700s. And by the late 1800s, the population had significantly declined. Uh, by the 1930s, the commercial fishery had all but ceased, and by 1965, the lake trout were considered extirpated from Lake Erie. Uh, you know, a lot of that was really because of the industrial polluting days. Um, you know, you didn't have a whole lot of, of successful commercial fishing in the 17 and 1800s. We didn't have the vessels. Uh, but there was a significant population decline, and by the 1930s, the commercial fishery had ceased, you know, there just weren't any fish around. Um, they were out deeper, they couldn't be reached, etc. And uh, by 1965, at the height of the, uh, the polluting, uh, right around the same time that uh, President Johnson and Lady Bird Johnson came to visit Stan Spesiak in the Buffalo River, um, that was, uh, that was uh, for sure, uh, you know, one of those, one of those things that uh, you know, along with the rest of the fish species in the lake appearing to be extirpated or extinct, as in the case of the uh, blue pike, um, which could have also been a blue phase walleye. There, but there's debate in the many circles about the uh, genetics and the, the, the validity of the blue pike being an actual standalone species. But neither here nor there, uh, they were considered and announced extinct shortly uh, after 1972 um, by the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. So, you know, the, to see this lake trout, you know, after 60 years of, of effort and finally finding some young uh, fry that have naturally reproduced, uh, that is absolutely a tremendous victory for the anglers and the biologists and everybody that works hard on this. 
Um, thank you, Basil Sagos, for leaving out the most important stakeholder group in there that actually catches the fish and reports back to the DEC, gives that important feedback that without it, the job of being a fisheries manager and a fisheries biologist would be darn near impossible. So we like hearing all of that. That's really good news for Lake Erie. And, you know, and when you add that to the fact that, you know, a lot of those old toxins are now long gone from the fish because the those toxic sludge sediments that, you know, is covered in sediment, uh, you know, there's it's not getting into the food chain anymore, not getting into the plants, not getting into the plankton, not getting into the bait fish, not working its way up and biomagnifying as it goes up the food chain. That's all wonderful news. And, you know, trout are a little more sensitive than than your walleye or bass. They need cleaner water. They need cleaner spawning areas and cleaner nurseries to really uh, successfully reproduce and, uh, you know, have the fry make it to the smolt stage and, uh, and beyond. Uh, you know, so obviously this is a great, great victory. And I'll tell you, the, uh, the quality of the, of the lake trout fishing in Lake Erie right now is fantastic and to hear that they're going to be uh you know seeing more and more naturally reproduced fish you know is obviously great news for uh for the anglers who do enjoy catching them and you know i don't know too many who don't enjoy catching the lake trout um you know they're they are big they they can you know shoulder breakers they're unbelievable um you know they do kind of you know get in the way of uh of your walleye fishing you know they take a lot of time but it is a fun fish to catch, and there ain't no doubt about that. Well, folks, believe it or not, if you hear that, that music, that means we're going to take our second break of the morning. But don't go anywhere, folks. Get yourself a cup of coffee, stretch your legs, and, uh, you know, we love outdoors. The fastest podcast in history will be coming right back at you after a few moments of a, a nice, well-deserved break. Welcome back, sportsmen and women and all you conservationists out there to We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport. We're getting ready to start our third segment of the morning already. I mean, this is flying by, folks, but we've got a lot of good stuff to cover. And, uh, you know, I hope you're enjoying the show. Um, you know, we're going we're gonna to jump right in here now with all this good news on Lake Erie and all the great news coming out of, out of the uh, the fishery side of this uh, this magnificent treasure that we have, which Lake Erie was you know, declared a national treasure uh, by George W. Bush back in 2006-2007. Uh, um, you know, it's a it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to, to see these good developments and then you look over on the other side with the goofballs wanting to push the wind scam 
and they're pushing it all over the place. Um, you know, we've got, uh, you know, the Atlantic Ocean that's in the crosshairs, and we've got some recent news that have popped up. You know, while we're all aware of this meritless idea to install the industrial wind turbines in the Great Lakes, this threat to the Atlantic Ocean and the commercial fisheries, along with the whale migrations, is taking another turn to the stupid folks as the lunatic leftist and greedy wind developers eye an area of the Atlantic, the Atlantic known as the New York Bight for a massive and highly damaging wind factory to be placed in one of the prime fishing grounds in waters that New York uh, fishermen, uh, you know, have to go to and fish to make a living. Uh, there was a recent DEC announcement that said proposed offshore wind development that the U.S. Department of the Interior, the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management, or BOEM, announced a proposed sale for offshore wind development on the outer continental shelf in the New York Bight. The proposed lease areas have the potential to unlock over 7 gigawatts of offshore wind energy, powering more than 2.6 million homes and supporting thousands of new jobs. Okay. So it also has the potential when the wind doesn't blow to power zero homes, and we really don't know how many jobs it may or may not support. Uh, construction jobs will come from overseas. Uh, there will be Norway and Sweden and uh, you know Germany. Those are the folks that have the uh, that have the experience with offshore wind. Um, you're not going to have thousands of new jobs. That that's just something they throw out there that can't be proven. In any event. Uh, BOEM's draft environmental assessment, which is not an environmental impact study, by the way, evaluates the potential impacts of the issuance of commercial and research leases within the nearly 800,000 acre wind energy area, or WIAs, uh, of the New York Bight. The release of the uh, environmental assessment initiates a 30-day public comment period that ends on September 9th. So you got till September 9th to release your comments, and the BOEM will hold two virtual meetings where you can learn more about the draft, uh, environmental assessment, ask questions, and provide oral testimony. The virtual meetings are tomorrow, the 24th at 1 p.m. Eastern, and Wednesday, the 25th at 5 p.m. Eastern. Nice of them to, to schedule it right uh, at the end of a, right in the middle of a workday and just before the end of a workday. You can tell how this is going to go. Um, this is pretty disturbing, and it, it would not only, you know, impact the prime fishing grounds and forever harm them, but you've got important migratory corridors for whales that also are really contending with this folly, the folly. More whales are now being seen off New York than we've ever seen before, at least with our, you know, it, you know observational uh, capabilities. And there's prompting that a lot of advisories to boaters are now in effect through August 31st. And, and I quote from the uh, the Marine uh, Mammal Protection Act, uh, whales are protected under the Marine Mammal Protection Act, and boaters must stay at least 500 yards or 1,500 feet away from North Atlantic right whales and at least 100 yards from all other whales. If a whale approaches you, remember to idle your engine and not to re-engage power until the whale has cleared your path. Attempting to leave the area may interrupt natural behavior such as feeding, nursing, resting, and traveling, or could result in a vessel strike causing harm to the whale and or boat. You know, info visitors uh, are, required, are asked to visit the, the uh, NOAA website under the Marine Life Viewing Guidelines section uh, to get more information. They're also asking you to report all sightings of marine mammals or sea turtles to the DEC by using our Flipper Files Digital Survey. 
And if you suspect a marine mammal or sea turtle is sick or injured, call the New York Stranding Hotline at 631-369-9829 to report the animal. Really, folks? So, you know, they've got a, a, a map that's up that, you know, extending the NOAA fisheries announced that the new and extended voluntary right whale slow zone in response to the Center for Coastal Studies aerial survey team citing the presence of right whales south and southeast of Nantucket, Massachusetts on August 16, 2021. The slow zones are in effect immediately and run through August 31st. So, you know, they're rolling right through the New York bite. And we know what infrasound does to these whales, especially the right whales. We learned this painfully during the early 1990s when the Navy began testing their low-frequency active sonar systems. What happened to these whales? That low-frequency infrasound completely discombobulated their ability to navigate, and they wound up beaching themselves. So... You know, that's, we're going to have a painful lesson here, folks. We've got things that are going to be coming on a collision course. And when man starts building things, you know, nature never really has a chance on this. Um, you know, we could also watch, you know, this wonderful hurricane that, you know, uh, Hurricane Henry, uh, Tropical Depression Henry now, I guess, rolling up in there. And we'll see what happens to the uh, Block Island wind factory when this one hits them. Uh, but we're we're entering a surreal phase here, folks, where... These people who are trying to claim that they're going to save the planet, dispense with all the environmental impact studies, just give a, a generic environmental assessment. Um, this is all going to come to a head, and it's not going to end well for our wildlife and our natural resources. We know this from the past. We know it right now. And yet we're still going to go with another scam uh, that uh, you know will drive the energy prices through the roof making political cronies very wealthy at the expense of we the people and the wildlife and marine ecosystems that provide food for many millions and millions of people, fishing jobs for many hundreds of commercial fishermen in New York and beyond. This is unbelievable. And in that vein, there's also the New York Bite Port Access Route Study public uh, meetings that are now happening that the Coast Guard is conducting for port access route studies uh, whenever changes or proposals for ports within the territorial uh, seas of the United States are uh, are talked about and this uh is obviously for building these you know massive wind factories and on tuesday august 24th it's amazing how these things conflict 4 p.m a public hearing uh to provide firsthand in-person uh you know public uh feedback um the montauk fire district 12 flamingo avenue in montauk new york that's on tuesday august 24th starting at 4 p.m and then Wednesday, August 25th at 4 p.m., the Portuguese Holy Ghost Society, uh, located on 26 Main Street in Stonington, Connecticut, will hold another meeting. So this is, obviously, for all the uh, wonderful, wonderful uh, uh, port access for the wind turbines, for the construction vessels, etc., and uh, how they're going to get the routes uh, redone and so on, so they're not conflicting with other uh, uh, commerce out on the seas and and uh, disrupting the whales, I guess, or whatever. You know, they want mariners in these slow areas, uh, the slow zones for these uh, whales to, to, you know, transit, avoid uh, or transit at, uh, avoid the area or, or go at 10 knots or less inside those areas. And, you know, they've, they've got a map that shows where you can, you know, transit through and where the whales are being seen and migrating through. And if you look at the maps, you'll see it's close proximity to the New York Bight. 
and uh, you know there's a lot of uh, food there for the uh, the whales to eat as well. That'll all get driven away. Congratulations. We, we're watching a disaster unfold, folks. Uh, and you know the the greenies don't seem to care. Uh, and the best I can do is recommend that everybody continually, uh, you know, submit your comments and push right back. Uh, make sure that you know how many people are commenting. Make sure that they are getting their their messages out loud and clear. Don't let these in vote. You know, remember what these these folks tell you. Now, a lot of them are bureaucrats that are appointed by folks that you elected uh, during the last election, and then you get these these uh, tyrants that uh, you know nameless faceless bureaucrats that are unaccountable to the elected uh, election process and unaccountable to the people um, but we need to stand up and you know there's a lot of science out there that's telling us this is going to be really bad and it's all being ignored for money and also to take away your natural rights to use these these resources you know in favor of what's known as marine spatial planning which is a un uh, nightmare zoning laws for the uh, for the waterways um, you know this is socialism this is uh, eliminating your ability to uh, to live as you see fit uh, you have to live according to the collective and the collective can throw you off the bus at any given time uh, this isn't good this isn't liberty and it's certainly not good for the ecosystems when you're gonna stick you know infrasound generators out in the middle of the ocean and screw up the migratory patterns of the right whales you're gonna screw up the the uh, the feeding grounds for the Atlantic cod and many many more fish that are out there including a lot of shellfish there's scallops and there's there's other uh, shellfish there's crabs etc and the infrasound impacts their ability to reproduce and impacts their uh, the young especially it increases the, the the pressure within their cells and it, it causes a lot of problems uh, kills the young dead we know this stuff we have studies upon studies and yet they don't want to look at the studies they'd rather do an environmental assessment and say oh no it's not going to do a thing for it you know go ahead build it out there you know we'll deal with anything after the fact but you know we got to make some omelets and we're going to break every egg in the basket and uh, it doesn't matter if we actually get an omelet or we get nothing um, again when they say that there is a capacity to power 2.6 million homes also remember that when the wind isn't blowing or when it's blowing too strong that capacity is going to power zero homes that's the reality that these guys are just trying to ignore and trying to make you forget about you need always on power and let's look at this you know there's the science of visibility and it's going to be 30 miles offshore you're going to lose five percent of your power just in transmission alone those transmission lines uh, based on the experience that we have with block island has been a problem so you know let's let's put these everywhere and screw everything up get no power on it you know sit there scratching our heads and say why is this uh not working the way we thought it would well that doesn't matter we're going to come back to the trough and get another hundred million two hundred million half a billion dollars out of the taxpayers just to fix it to say we're green you know it's a scam it's a pure 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 scam uh, in that related vein, we had the Citizens Against uh, Wind Turbines in Lake Erie held a meeting, this time their first meeting uh, down in Dunkirk at the Northern Chautauqua Conservation Club was held on the 18th of uh, August. This was uh, last week. Uh, and, you know, they, they had a very good, very good meeting. They were actually paid a visit by State Senator George Borrello 
who is the sponsor of S6314, that's the moratorium on any offshore wind development in New York fresh waters, including the Great Lakes. And they also had a visit paid to them by uh, Assemblyman Andy Goodell, who represents the Chautauqua County area and has been representing them very, very well. Andy's a great guy, along with George. They both stopped in and uh you know they shared their concerns with the group and what they are trying to do in addition to uh getting this moratorium underway and uh you know the the uh, assembly bill the companion bill is uh, sponsored by brian mangtalau another upstate new york uh, uh legislator that is up on lake ontario so you know we've got people that are very concerned and they're finally stepping up and it's amazing to see these democrats who are supposed to be for the environment and for the ecosystem and they love the wildlife and all the endangered species putting them in direct conflict and direct danger that's what they're doing, folks. They're not. They're not doing anything green for the, uh, for the, uh, uh, the environment or the wildlife. What they're doing is green for their pocketbook, and that's it. There's nothing else to it. And these scams don't work. We already know about Block Island. What a scam that was. And look at Steelwinds. Three repairs after 15 years on a 20-year life cycle. Pure scam. Absolutely unbelievable. Well, folks. The fastest podcast in podcast history, We Love Outdoors, with your humble host, Rich Davenport, is going to take the last break of the day. Three segments are in the can. Please stick around. We'll be right back to wrap things up with the final segment of We Love Outdoors. Once again, welcome back, sportsmen and women and conservationists across New York State and the Fruited Plain. Thanks for sticking around and coming back to We Love Outdoors with Rich Davenport, coming to you from sunny Tundawanda, New York. And uh, it is a sunny day today. It's going to be another scorching hot one. Uh, And we're coming to you again on Anchor.fm, powered by Spotify. You can listen to us on Spotify and Google Podcasts and Apple Podcasts and many, many more. And I hope you're enjoying today's show. Uh, we got 15 minutes left or so. So, you know, again, as I, I mentioned, you know, the, the Citizens Against Wind Turbines in Lake Erie got an update from State Senator George Borello and New York State Assemblyman Andy Goodell uh, on the 18th. And there's some pushback now going on uh, from the legislature. Uh, it, basically, what they're calling for is they're looking to get a complete study on the costs of this uh, arbitrary climate change law. You know, there's a wish list that was codified in the law. It's not really a law. It's arbitrary and capricious. It's just, you know, stuff that they put down on paper that they want that will cripple uh, New Yorkers, cripple our energy, uh, increase costs, eliminate free travel, just like what they want, what the communists want. 
And, uh, you know, six Republican New York senators in mid-August of 2021 called for a much-needed reevaluation of former Governor Cuomo's sweeping climate change or Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act, the CLCPA. It's got a beautiful title, and it's absolute garbage. Um, George Borrello uh, outlines the necessity for reevaluation of this draconian CLCPA, which would dramatically increase costs of energy to New Yorkers and the scam nature of this green energy effort pushed by Cuomo and his energy czar, uh, NYSERDA Director Dick Kaufman, and uh, the, as they call him, the Keep the Fossil Fuels in the Ground Green Lobby in Albany and New York City. Uh, Senator Dan Steck from Glen Falls sponsored this. It's uh, Senate Bill 7321 with co-sponsors of Senator Borrello, Tom O'Mara, Pete Oberacker, uh, Sue Serino, and Anthony Palumbo. And uh, there is a companion bill in the Assembly. That's uh, Assembly Bill 7524 that's calling for the same thing. Basically, this dovetails on some of the things that the independent systems operators of New York found out when they did their study of phase two of this, this climate change arbitrary law, that it would require wind turbines and solar arrays to be basically cover every square inch uh, of the landscape of New York. You know, this would be predominantly the rural landscape of upstate New York. You would see, you know, turbines everywhere and solar arrays everywhere. And, you know, there's also talk of trying to to implement a 55 cents a gallon gasoline tax and uh, on heating oil as well. And we've got inflation going through the roof. We no longer have energy independence, thanks to the the sniffer, Joe Biden. I mean, that guy's an absolute moron. And, uh, you know, these people over in in New York, you know, we've got pure lies and projections, um, you know, that, uh, you know, after New York independent systems operators came out and said, you know, we're going to need to you know blanket the state to meet these these arbitrary goals you're never going to meet them we're going to have to increase our capacity value to like 49 percent right now they're at 15 percent then they basically for forecasting and uh and power needs they they figure they're going to need 15 percent more than uh you know what they project they're going to actually use to give themselves a buffer so just in case there's a spike or just in case there's a power drop somewhere that's unexpected they have a you know a 15 percent reservoir any given minute of any given day to draw from that is basically you know predicted and uh you know forecasted for that allows for the grid to continue to operate. In order to, to accommodate all this green crap, they're going to move that from 15% to try to say, hey, we're going to need another 49% of what we, so we're going to forecast that we're going to go ahead and uh, and need, you know, 20,000 megawatts or 21 or 22,000 megawatts. We're going to actually try to forecast and, and produce 50,000 megawatts. Now, New York State's current capacity, install capacity across all uh, electrical generating power plants is right now around 45,000 megawatts, and we meet all our needs with that. Uh, In order to meet the needs with uh, these green energy uh, scams, they're going to need 160 or 157,000 megawatts installed, 162,000 megawatts, 163,000 megawatts. It's it's huge what they're going to need because, you know, they've got to look at this and say, well, you know, half the time we're not going to get half of it anyhow. And the rest of the time we're not, we're going to be lucky if we get, you know, 20% of the, of, of the total. Um, and of course, when the wind doesn't blow and when the, uh, sun doesn't shine, you get nothing. Um, 
you know, the, there was also inadequate transmission lines that exist to handle the intermittent and unreliable energy. And when those comments were uh, submitted to NICER to buy the independent systems operators, uh, Hansi Andy and Dick Kaufman uh, excoriated the, uh, the people at ISO for saying that they were using incomplete information and misleading people with their reports and comments which of course was pure projection and a pure lie as exposed by Kaufman himself. You know, he was actually during a Senate hearing grilled on, you know, what about this Great Lakes feasibility study being conducted by his NYSERDA shills? And he claimed he didn't know anything about it. You know, I'm sure he didn't know anything about the last study that was done 11 years ago either, because everybody else is pretending that it never happened. It is disgusting. So, you know, that there's, there's pushback happening between the uh, between the, the moratorium on the freshwater, we've got to protect our freshwater. That's number one front and center. But now also trying to get some transparency to let everybody in New York know exactly how much this is going to cost us and what are the dangers that could face the grid. You know, are we going to continue to enjoy 24-7 electrical energy, which currently is being, you know, made possible by imports, imports from Canada, from Pennsylvania, from New Jersey, from New England area, Connecticut, Massachusetts, etc. All of these things are, are feeding, you know, 4,000 to 5,000 megawatts any given minute of any given day. Uh, you know, New York State would be living the lifestyles of the Amish right now if it weren't for that interconnect amongst our neighbors. If we were like Texas, we wouldn't have electrical energy in New York State. We'd be long gone. Uh, we should be looking at repowering places like the NRG plant in Dunkirk and the Huntley plant in uh, on Tonawanda to you know use natural gas versus just mothballing them and hoping that we can build enough solar panels that'll give low density uh, you know low output high uh, encroachment high environmental damage. It doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, but these people don't make sense. They want to control you. They don't want to make electricity. They want to control what you use. Um, you know, Kaufman screamed about, we don't need this transmission line to handle it. All we need are smart meters on the home so we can turn off power to everybody's homes when we need to. And that isn't freedom. You know, you, you get to decide what your home is using. And if you want to pay for that power and you want to use you know, as much power as you want, go ahead. We would hope that you would use some energy conservation because that's wise use. It also helps save money on your monthly bill. But these folks want to actually have the power to shut you down whenever they deem it necessary. Does that sound like America to you folks? That's what they want. That's what Dick Kaufman came out and said to the New York Independent Systems operators in response to their telling the truth to the people. And that's the problem. But maybe that's all going to go away because starting tomorrow, Hansi Andy is no longer going to be the governor of the state of New York. Yay! Thank goodness. Of course, we're going to have Governor Kathy Hochul. Now, I talked about Kathleen Hochul last year, or last uh, segment, rather, last uh, last uh, episode last week. And, you know, she does have Western New York credentials. She comes from Hamburg. She served on the Hamburg Town Board. She served as Erie County Clerk. And she served as, uh, as a, you know, congressional representative for District 26 uh, for a brief period of time uh, before she became the lieutenant governor in 2014, being signed into 2015. Um it doesn't make a whole lot of sense uh, that, 
you know, she would support a lot of the stuff that's going to be damaging to Western New York, but we know how uh, Kirsten Gillibrand fared, and we also know how uh, Kathleen Hochul, once she got to become part of Hansy Andy's uh, 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 administration, get on the team, if you will, how she suddenly started to promote the virtues of the, uh, the New York Safe Criminals Act. You know, which is contradictory to her position on the Second Amendment and firearms with law-abiding citizens, her incredible work that she did as a Erie County clerk, earning her the endorsement of the NRA over Chris Collins. Uh, I don't believe she has that endorsement anymore. Uh, I think her, her stance on the, uh, the SAFE Act, once she got into the governor's uh, uh, administration, kind of crippled that one. Uh, and we're going to make sure that that's, that's the case because, you know, she doesn't deserve that endorsement if she's going to stand uh, behind banning scary-looking rifles because of their cosmetics versus going after criminal use and criminals. That's really where we need to be, not, you know, turning the criminals loose, not putting them in jail, not uh, holding them, in, you know, responsible through uh, responsible bail measures. You know, we've got crime through the roof. It's not about guns. We've got storms through the roof. It's not about climate change. You know, this is all, uh, you know, distractions that are being given for bad policy, folks. It's all bad policy from the Democrat Party. And, you know, they will... They will project, they will obfuscate, they will find demons, they will demagogue. These are the folks that do it ad nauseum. They make everything political while saying we shouldn't make things political. Uh, you know, trying to tell you that protecting fresh water, you can't talk about it because it's political, that's nonsense. Everybody needs fresh water. I don't care what, uh, you've got an elephant on your lapel, you've got a, a donkey on your lapel, or a jackass, which is more uh, appropriate for that party. Uh, everybody needs water, and if you're not protecting fresh water, that's not political, that's stupid. If you don't protect it, that's flat-out stupid, folks, because everybody needs fresh water. The cleaner the water, the healthier everything is. Duh. But, you know, these people that think that they know, they don't know. Uh, you know, they're, they're the first ones to run behind Ramsar when they're, you're looking at a place down in uh, Buffalo, New York, that's going to be a couple hundred acres of uh, waterfront development, and they're going to scream Ramsar, Ramsar, but they're not going to take the time to protect the corridors that these, uh, uh, the, the wildlife, the birds, the bats, the, the butterflies, etc., and the fish, uh, moving back and forth to spawning areas that they claim will be negatively impacted but won't be. Uh, you know, but, you know, they're, they're totally fine with screwing up the entire area that is what these animals use to migrate through to get to these Ramsar designated areas, and that's Lake Erie. Uh, it's absolutely breathtaking, the, these people, their hypocrisy, they're full of it, they don't care about the ecosystems, they only care about their pockets and telling and dictating to you what you can do. That's it, plain and simple. Anybody that tells me otherwise is full of it. Because they're not using science, they're ignoring science. And I've got all the science, and the science says pretty clearly what it says. And it doesn't say what it doesn't say. And they want to tell you, you know, oh, carbon dioxide, we've got to do that. It's carbon dioxide is plant food, folks. The amount of it in the atmosphere isn't enough to fill a thimble. And if we lose any more in the atmosphere, we could be starting to, to, to see slower plant growth, less greening of the planet, less food, and then all the things that they're predicting with famines and all that, then it will come true. See, that's what they're trying to do is they're trying to bring in, you know, their nonsense and make it a reality. But, I, you know, it's, it's just pushback, folks. We need that transparency. In any event, this Tuesday we will call Kathy Hochul our governor. 
and uh, Hansy Andy becomes the hands Ben, even though he will continue to collect his $50,000 a year pension and fully paid Cadillac health insurance because his allies in the assembly have decided to abandon any kind of uh, uh, holding of this, this, uh, this tyrant accountable, this crooked tyrant accountable. They're no longer going to be pursuing the uh, impeachment process. So that means he can get his pension and he can maybe even run for office down the line. But that's how Democrats work. And can you imagine if this was a Republican, he would have been impeached months ago. It wouldn't take as long as it did for that investigation. Well, that's going to do it today, folks. Sorry to leave you on such a positive note. But hey, don't worry about a thing. We don't have the wind turbines built yet. Make sure you write to Kathy Hochul and tell her to protect those, uh, those, those natural resources. And, you know, we'll be back, folks, next week. I'll see you. Same bad time, same bad channel.